0: My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod. What was that? Whiskey.
1: Hey, how's it going? This is Steve from uh, Lost in Translation. Um, here with uh, Travis and Sean. How's it
2: going, guys? It's going great.
1: Doing awesome. Do great
0: some of these some of these uh, whiskeys that have been sitting uh, just kind of waiting to be waiting to be tried so oh, to be tried. I've already yeah.
1: increased in proof because they've evaporated a bit in the room since we since we poured them is that what you're saying?
0: <laughs> no just like they've uh, like uh, you know the Eau Claire's been out for a little bit I haven't tried it yet I've been waiting for us to review Oh them. I see the uh, the Rassay, I'm kind of already hinting at what we're doing on this episode, but
1: it's uh, I've, been, <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting to try several of these whiskeys is what I'm saying. Yeah, did you want to take, you could take the, just take the intro right over, Travis. <laughs> 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 uh, so today, today, yes, as Travis has mentioned, we're just going to uh, kind of round table a few new releases because these are new releases, Us. Uh, particularly have been intrigued and and wanting to try. So why not try them as a group? And and I know there's a lot of people out there also wondering kind of what these, what these, what these taste like and and if they want to buy them. So it's nice to be able to, to be able to, I don't know, talk about these ahead of time so that guys can make their calculated decisions. There's so many bottles. Like, I don't know. I was thinking this morning when I reserved the uh, Bushmills Causeway from, uh, from wine and beyond. And it's like, all I could think about in my head was like, how many bottles are there that I'm gonna have to buy in the next month? Like because there's more there's more releases coming. There's more of our own product coming, Travis, and it's the fall has been like out me of control. A it gives me a headache, honestly. Yeah. This time of year is bad because everything comes at once. And for the we we have some pretty substantial whiskey budgets compared to most people, because well for, for for me it's a it's a business it's two two different businesses basically so um but for the average the average drinker like i it would it would be tough it'd be really really tough yeah for sure they don't they don't have the accessibility that we do to, to try a lot of these first either so it's going into a liquor store is daunting it's like it's it's intimidating especially like i went to wine and beyond yesterday I don't even know how they're managing to stuff more brands on those shelves, but they're more packed than I've ever seen before. Like it's crazy.
0: Yeah. I've talked to a few stores. They say, if you want to load up for Christmas, you have to do it in like mid to early November is when you need to start loading up. Because if you wait too late, then you're competing with everybody and it just starts to get a little bit crazy know,
1: gone. Right. We know how limited releases when they come into this market, they don't last like the Lefroy. Cardenas is supposed to come out in December sometime. It used to be November now it's December. That's the other thing too, is there's a lot of like toying the market. So you keep going, looking for it, but like, how long is that going to actually last? Like if you're not in the store the day of you're screwed, you're not going to get it.
0: Well, you go back to the whiskey budgets and I think we, because you and I, the three of us can buy whiskey and then, usually what I do is I buy it and I say it's for the club. And then if I choose, I want to open it. I just say, okay, well now it's for me. And I just buy it back from the club, but at least I have the option to say, okay, I'm going to grab it now that it's available. Right. Before it sells out. Um, but it, I, it's hard. And I think like what we're trying to do with these new release episodes is, is give people an idea of impressions, early impressions on these whiskeys. And maybe it'll help them with the purchase. But I've talked to many whiskey buyers who are just like, they, they message us and say when's your next single cast clan release how much is it gonna cost because they're trying to budget their whiskey you know they it's 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 first world problems it's first world whiskey world problems <laughs> yeah fake uh, but this is the world we live in and this is uh, the world that we love so
1: yeah that, that should be our we should we should grind a malt early in this episode and I would like to just talk about how I like to talk about how angry Sean is all the time Well, I've never been one for meeting new people, or doing new things, or eating new types of food. I've had the same haircut since 1978, and I've driven the same car since 1991. I've used the same wooden comb for three decades. I have one bowl. I still get my milk delivered by horse. Are you gonna tell a man that he can't fart in his own car? I don't want to seem overdramatic, but I don't really care what happens here. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to stay angry. I find that relaxes me. This is my
2: yeah, hell. He,
1: he's just like this sounding board of... It's funny because the, the littlest... He's not going to like that we're talking about him, but... Just like the littlest tiny flicker of something that annoys him will come into a post or something like that. And Travis, you see it. It comes right into our group chat. And it's just like, he comes in with a, like a fucking bat out of hell. Just what the F and then question marks and emojis and stuff. And then he'll post it. And then usually Graham's like the first person to be like, dude, just chill out, man. It's no big deal,
2: <laughs> but it's, it's awesome. you got to love the passion in that guy. Oh yeah. And you need people like that to point things out. And make Absolutely. people make people question, like, oh yeah, maybe I should think more about this. Maybe not so heatedly, but uh, no. But, but the passion the passion yeah. is
1: good. People for sure. People in this world can stand to be a little bit more passionate about things. That's true. I
2: like that.
0: Right. To be, um, be fair, Sean Sean just did his friendship week of posts. You which, did, which cool. is uh, you know him showing his true soft
1: for
2: sure, sure. yeah and, i don't think i got a post on that friendship week
1: so. yeah you did you got the he posted yg whiskey nights cask i think and then gave you a shout out so you were paying attention
2: i'm gonna look i'm gonna look right now
1: <laughs> yeah shot he did he was he was from dark cloud to a ray of sunshine for a week out of 52 so that's, that's something he's that's growth right there. That's what that is. That's growth.
0: I, I'm now thinking that we should have just changed the topic of this whole episode. We should just, this should have just been a, a, a Sean episode. We should have talked about <laughs> Sean Kincaid for an hour, uh, told his life story without asking him about it and just let it fly. But I guess opportunity missed.
2: So I just looked at the post. Okay. It's yeah. actually a post about you, Steve. And then he just slides me in there. You know? So it's about you and how awesome you are. Is it actually? Yeah, and your beer. And then it's my bottle just kinda like on the end, mentioned at the end. But you know, that's okay. I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> all right. I guess I didn't read it all either. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding.
1: Um Yeah. Okay, let's let's get into whiskey. We're, uh, we're, we're better evaluators of whiskey than we are people. <laughs> so, um, so the first, the first whiskey we're going to get into is the Eau Claire distillery and they're Obviously they have they their annual single malt release. They're on batch five now, which is just which is pretty cool. Like they've, well, they've come a long way over the what five, six years kind of thing. That they've been releasing whiskey. And I'm sure this is a milestone batch for them. I'm sure they're all milestone batches for them, but I've I've always been a big supporter of Eau Claire and, and we like to support obviously local everywhere you can. Um, But Caitlin Quinn, the master distiller and and the team there, they're all just amazing people. And it, it makes it easier to support a brand when the people are amazing as well, honestly.
0: Yeah, Caitlin is. Um, I mean, she's got such a cool story in terms of like her 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 background and everything. But then when yeah. you talk to her about the whiskey, she's a she's a no bullshit kind of girl. And and you know when you, when she talks about the distillery and the way she makes this stuff, she there's something about just. I don't know the way she goes about it that I really appreciate, and that she's not pulling any punches. She's there's nothing fake about it. It's like this is our whiskey. Here you go. Yeah, Uh, and yeah, they seem to be getting the most attention out of any of the Alberta distilleries. I would say right now.
1: Yeah, I I would think so for sure. Um, And she she just she's like an attention to detail type person too, especially when it comes to like if if you ever drank whiskey with her, she, she's got an incredible palette on her. Like she can, she can pull out some, like, she's just very quick at attaching the characteristics she's tasting to, to an actual tasting note, right? Which not, not all of us are. Um, it, it was just really impressive. I remember when we when I was out there in March uh, doing that, the, that photo and video shoot for him, we did a, a range from batch one to batch four. Um, and she just like the, the, just listening to her kind of rattle through the, the kind of how everything evolved and, and the tasting notes that she was looking for and how it ended up and all that kind of thing. It was, it was pretty fascinating. Um, this, so this batch five is kind of a, a throwback to batch two, which now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure I told her that I like Batch Two the best, so I'm pro- I could probably take full credit for this. To tell you the truth, so um, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um <clears throat> Batch Two is a favorite I think of a lot of people because of the the heavier use of sherry casks in their blend. So they've reintroduced sherry casks into this one, along with the the Hungarian oak and the ex bourbon, which are which are, which are the main, it's kind of the main cast that, that Caitlin likes to play with the most. Mm-hmm. Next time we have her on, we're going to talk about Hungarian Oak because she, that, like, Hungarian Oak really fascinates her. And she's, like, listening to her talk about it's actually pretty cool. I almost wish I would have asked her more about it when we had her on last year. But, so it's pretty, I think it's pretty standard with all their other releases. It's probably three-ish Three to four ish years old, which all their releases are. But when you think of distilling in Alberta, you can't. It's easy to overage, like overage whiskey in this province because of how dry our climate is. And like we've we've touched on this before on the podcast, where the the sweet spot comes, like the sweet spot comes very soon in the maturation process of whiskey, and you can overage in the sense that you're going to lose so much liquid, you're gonna lose so much water on it that your ABB just continues to skyrocket. Um, similar to the boulder guys down in the, the Colorado climate, right? So you really got to pay attention because you, you got accelerated maturation. Um so you, you're trying it all the time, making sure that you're not overaging. So there's there's a reason why these are typically young whiskies and they're not I know they have some casts behind, but but you you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Do you do you know what their typical
0: ABV coming out of the cask is there at say three to four years old. It's in, it's in the sixties. Yeah. So similar to, like you said, similar to Boulder in that, that arid climate. And they say in Scotland, like each distillery kind of has a year where that's kind of like their peak year for maturation. And usually it's in that 12 to 18 year kind of range. And yeah, it's, it's, it's something that it's part of that education with whiskey people is young whiskey here is different than young whiskey in Scotland. And, uh, we're, we're going to taste a young whiskey here in a bit from Scotland. It'll be interesting to kind of see how different they are. Um,
1: you know? Yeah. Well, and that's a big difference between the American American whiskey and Scottish whiskey, which are the two bigger genres kind of thing competing against one another is bourbon. You'll get a lot of Scotch drinkers asking a lot. Why? Right. Like, well, I pay a hundred bucks for a five-year-old bourbon. Well, You're not like a bourbon sweet spot lands between kind of five and nine years old kind of thing. I would say there's some that are older that are good, but you can lose, you can lose a spirit in North America pretty quickly if you overage it.
0: Uh, Sean, this is your first non Rupert's Eau Claire. Is that correct? Is this, is this like a shock of the episode?
2: That is correct. Yeah. This is my first Eau Claire single malt. Shock and fail. Well, yeah. Let's not
1: talk about that. <laughs> yeah, the Sean... The both, now, both Sean's have just been exposed already in this episode.
0: <laughs> what are your thoughts so far, Sean, on it? This this is...
1: So... The nose is opening up for me at first. It was a little bit muted, but as it's mm-hmm. kind of sat in the glass and I've kind of rotated it, it is very, very uh,
2: perfumey, floral. Yeah, I think it's My, very floral. Yeah, for sure. In Get a, a bit of... I don't know,
1: like a bit of like cracker. I don't well, know.
0: I'm on the uh, I'm on the Eau Claire website right now, and I always like to look at the distillery tasting notes and just see which ones kind of stand out the most. Um, so on the nose, on the distillery tasting notes, Graham Cracker is one of the
1: notes. Yeah, I'm getting more like a soda cracker, like a saltine.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I
1: get that. That's what I'm
2: getting. I get that, but like but a not, soup cracker, not salty, but the actual cracker oh. part of it. Yeah, the cra- yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: And I explained that as more of a cereal note when I was talking to you guys earlier. It's mm-hmm. to me that comes across as like a grainy, like I'm smelling the grain right out of the Alberta fields there.
1: Right out of the Alberta fields. I like wow.
0: that. Right out of the Alberta fields. That's what we call terroir, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes
1: Travis can be found just walking through Alberta fields, just soaking in the just aroma smelling. Of, of Alberta. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, the other notes they come up with on their sheet for the nose, red fruit, burnt sugar, stewed apples, stone fruit. I get a little stone fruit and dark chocolate, which I'm not really getting much chocolate.
2: Yeah. No. That's just on the nose
0: or that's, that's all whole? just their nose on the website. And this is, okay. this is one of my things with uh, anytime I host a tasting and I, I preamble here because I think people get a little discouraged when they're nosing whiskeys and tasting whiskeys when they can't nose what the distillery says you should nose. And I always tell them like these tasting notes, think of like SMWS, it's a panel of people in a room drinking a whiskey and telling you each thing that they're picking out. And then they just kind of start writing stuff down. So I always say, if you can pick out one note, like the graham cracker or some, like, if you can pick out something, I think you're doing a good job of nosing a whiskey. Just my two cents.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Most of like when I, when we could have in-person tastings and everyone's kind of recording their, (laughs) their notes, um, usually the nose was whiskey. (laughs) that's like whiskey or sometimes you get some obscure ones where it was like smells like the living room after my dad was drinking all night but yeah basically whiskey right not a lot of people can can associate with flavors and stuff which makes it intimidating like you said
0: yeah do you do you pick up much of i don't get much of the sherry cask i think it's more of a complimentary like i don't get a lot
1: of the fruit honestly i think it's I'm getting a lot of that Hungarian oak out of
2: it. So what? What I? Well, going to the palate? Can we go to the palate now? Is that okay? Yeah, let's let's dance on the palate. This too. is what this is my experience. First of all, I'll start with what I really enjoy about it, and the mouthfeel on this whiskey mm. is fabulous.
1: Yes, it's, it's very good.
2: Oily. Um, it's oily. It coats your mouth and it creates a long finish, which I really like. I wrote velvety down, Sean. It's like ooh, yeah, velvety. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like I, I kind of get and uh, compare if you want. I kind of get like a custardy note that uh, I enjoy. I don't know if that's the right word, actually, to be honest. Well, custard can come in all kinds of Mm -hmm. flavors, can't it? But... um... Yeah, I the it's dangerously drinkable though. Like I poured my sample and I'm basically empty now, so that's a good thing though because yeah. we're just sitting here sipping and talking, and now I'm out of whiskey. But um, so I think mm. that's a really good thing for my personal palate. I think I would have liked to seen maybe a higher ABV. It does. One thing that Paul mentioned in the, cause he, he
1: did just post a, or publish a review on the park whiskey society website yeah. of this bottle is he did think when he was drinking it, he thought it was a higher, a higher ABV than 43%. Like I do think it drinks between 43 and 46, so slightly higher. But I think that also might be that little bit of pepperiness that you get mm-hmm. kind of towards the finish that might kind of be,
2: I don't know, bringing that sensation into it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, w- I would be curious to to know what this would have been like at forty six or maybe forty eight percent. I think it would have yeah. rounded out, but then it's not going to be this dangerously drinkable. You know, you sit around chat and your glass is empty, and then you're refilling it, and that's yeah. there's a positive thing to be said about that for a whiskey. So there's nothing wrong with that. I just no, think it would. There's be, a value there. Yeah, I just sure. think you know for myself, anyways. That would be And my, to be able to deliver, like I think I think the key at 43 is being able to still
1: deliver like an interesting enough profile, which a lot of whiskeys, when they do get to 43, they lose mm, yeah, a yeah. lot of the kind of key characteristics. Well, is always at, at that forty three percent. And Caitlin still feels like they, they still have a ton to offer. And then they can offer that drinkability, I think, like you said as well. Yeah, very drinkable. Like I
0: forced myself to save a tiny splash, which is saying something just to compare it to the Rassay at the end here. Um, But I, I had to stop. I had to force myself to stop, which like you said, there's a, and, and for a young whiskey, there's, there's, there's attributes on both on the palate and the nose that I like. Um, So it, it's, it's a win in my books. Is it a hundred dollar whiskey? We talked about this in the previous episode with these young whiskeys from these distilleries and, you know, it's it's hard to say. I, I think a hundred dollar whiskey that what justifies a hundred dollars is changing before our very eyes, and I think I think that's something that we need to adjust probably. Um, you know, our expectations. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. these, these sure. people have to make money too, and this is a farm to bottle operation. This is, you know, and it's not Diageo. This is this is a a small local distillery, and uh, I think you know i i would i would i will probably go buy a bottle of this after this let's say that
2: i think it helps to think about when you're justifying the cost you know think about the journey that this whiskey's been on like the grain to the distilling and all the steps involved and all the people involved and this is a business so everyone's got to make money along the whole chain mm-hmm. and if this is what it costs this is what it costs and people are going to find that value and if if it's valuable to you then go out and grab it and that's it and if it's not then it's not and that's that's okay
0: well and Stephen and i know very well yeah. the the markups and margins along the way from the time a whiskey gets made to the time it ends up in a store and with aglc and taxes and everything i mean it every single step of the way they're taking their percentage yeah totally <laughs> and uh i i think it's you know it's it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had in the sense that I think what we look at as value now, I think is changing a little bit and I'm okay with that. Like I said, I'd be, I w I will probably buy a bottle and I think
1: that's saying a lot. Yeah. There, uh, uh, yeah. There's lots of things to appreciate within that, that hundred dollars, I think, right. It's, it's also, you're also supporting the Alberta single malt industry, which, which, uh, eau claire has been a massive pioneer of over the years yeah, instrumental
2: and, for sure
1: yeah for sure and they're they're pushing the the kind of the category forward local category forward so that other distilleries can can obviously benefit from it as well so and it's just it's just like building that trust mechanism for for whiskey drinkers in the province to trust that local younger local whiskey can be quality as well. Uh, I think they've done a really good job doing that. And then, like you said, the farm farm to glass, like when you're sitting at Eau Claire distillery, you can look behind the distillery and there's farmer's fields. Like they literally grow the grain in Turner Valley for this whiskey, That's like right awesome. there. Right. Which is what, which, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's, I think there's a ton to appreciate for, uh, for that hundred bucks. That's not only, not only the whiskey
2: yeah i
0: agree and the fact that you can get the master distiller on a podcast or she jumped on for one of my virtuals you can get her on the phone if you want it
1: at any time like she's
0: <laughs> you're not getting the master distiller at you know i don't know what distillery you want to say but very easily yeah, right one. so yeah. there's something to be said about that it's it's uh like like getting Alistair on from Boulder spirits for an interview would be just a quick phone call. And and there's something to be said for that.
1: For sure. They do touch a little bit on, I just pulled out this info sheet that they have, but the, like the angel share comparison here to, to Scotland, right? 10% per year angel share in Alberta, which is huge.
0: That's almost India levels.
1: That's crazy. Like that's insane because of dryness. And then like the other thing that, uh, that we didn't touch on and i don't know if they touch on it here but the managing your cask as well because your cask itself like it would, can damage and dry out while the whiskey's aging like like forget about the whiskey inside but you can start to lose whiskey as you see a wood shrinking and and changing sizes and like it's it's a whole different ball game in a climate like ours yeah so no
0: all good points do sure. you want to move on to uh number two before we grind some malts or do you want to, what do you want to do?
1: Uh, let's, yeah, let's go. Let's, let's do to Number, number two, which, which one are we doing next?
0: Um, uh, so we brought this one. This is, I think just landing while well, by the time the, this podcast is ready to go, it'll probably be on shelves. Nice. Yeah. Okay. The Taconic. Um, so sort of the way we've been operating is we're trying to maintain stocks of core products from say Boulder Taconic on the shelves, but then when we need to put a new order in, we kind of want to order a full pallet of a hundred cases or so what we've been doing is adding in special releases, um, to those orders. And we reached out to to Taconic and said, you know, what's your top selling special release. And it's this one, it's, it's a Taconic distillery bourbon and it's finished in Cabernet Sauvignon casks from Napa Valley. Mostly it said, mostly California. So I'm, I'm guessing napa um and uh this will be landing it's a wine and beyond exclusive so they got um every bottle of it and it'll be ready in time here soon um the but yeah this is
2: this is fabulous
0: yeah this is i mean maybe we'll call this bourbon for wine drinkers that might be our, our little catch line <laughs> on it um but yeah i the the taconic bourbon it's so different from Boulder, right? B- Boulder has that forty-four percent malted barley. This is more of a standard mash bill for a bourbon. So we're looking at seventy percent corn, twenty-five percent rye, five percent malted barley. Um, so this is a basically you could call it almost a high rye mash bill bourbon.
1: And the rye I find pops on these deconics. It does for sure, but it's not. It's not that typical like high rye. Spice, but like, high, it's not a high ride pepper spice. It's a high ride like baking, like clovey and cinnamon and those kind of spices. I feel. Yeah, mostly on
0: the. I find it mostly on the nose. To be honest, I just find that these Taconics really have a, a nose that I just i I find myself nosing Taconic whiskeys for a lot longer than than uh, I usually do.
2: Yeah, I could but nose like, this we, one forever. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's- it's the Cabernet did some special things to this. And yeah, this is beautiful. I mean, like Travis said, when we reached out, there was, this is their number one selling, uh, like f- cask finish product, I think in, in the, like in the country down in the U S.
0: So what they did, um, when I reached out to, and again, this is again, working with a small distiller. you just send an email to the owner. And uh, he writes back that same day. But this was 4.5 years in their standard number three char, um, virgin oak barrels. And then they finished them for six months in Cabernet Sauvignon cast. So six months of that red wine influence. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming the red wine influence would be less than Oloroso Sherry or PX, right? Because it's not as syrupy. It's a little lighter. Yeah. But, but I feel like it's done a pretty good, you know, amount of work
1: on this whiskey yeah it's it's definitely there like it's present right like it's it's not like an afterthought or anything like that it's it it's good I've, I've always like they sent us the the cabernet and the cognac finished ones at the very beginning and i've really enjoyed them both so i was super excited to get this into the market
2: oh i'd like to try a cognac one but this one is great sure I mean, I'll take that out. Yeah, no, it's all good.
0: Uh, We were talking about this, uh, Steve, when we were prepping for the podcast, but the whole idea of, you know, finishing a bourbon in a Cabernet Sauvignon cask, and, um, you know, they have the maple bourbon cask there, and just the idea of bourbon really kind of taking that next step in terms of innovation and trying some new things. And, you know, bourbon as a category actually has very strict – pretty strict regulations in the sense of, Very strict. you know, aging and virgin cast and, you know, everything like that. But, um, they're starting to step outside the box a little bit. And uh, we talked about broken barrel as, as one of those companies that's really <laughs> kind of changing the game in terms of bourbon. And it, it might offend some people that are traditionalists, yeah, but yeah. then other people are saying, no, let's, let's open the door. Let's try new things. If you're a traditionalist, you can always go back to your standards. Yeah. We're not stopping those, but let's see what else we can. What, what kind of flavors we can create?
1: Yeah, um, why not? Like, I don't, I don't really understand the the traditionalists' um, argument in that case, honestly. Because what what's the harm? We're not changing. We're not changing what you're drinking. We're just adding some variety into the market. That's basically all they're doing, and, and doing some experimenting, like why why not push why not push the the industry especially if it's labeled appropriately then totally then it yeah, doesn't exactly. matter right? and there's been a lot of there's been a lot of chatter about labeling like there's about the bourbon association they they're, they're going to make all these finished bourbon products call themselves american whiskey and and that kind of thing nothing's happened yet it's all it's all been kind of just discussions and speculation but I don't know. I, I don't see anything as long as it meets the criteria and is a bourbon first. Yeah. Then, then like who cares if you finish it in something afterwards, but right? you have some distilleries. Like I wish we had Bartstown distillery here because they do all kinds of crazy, crazy cask, uh, finishing and releases. And I, I love that. I think it makes the, it makes the industry more fun.
0: Well, we, we, I mean, we're, we we will not see this stuff till the new year, but even just, that broken barrel concept yeah. um, and that, you know, some people have kind of reached out and they're like, eh, I'm not sure what I think of this. I mean, they source whiskey from Kentucky, they bring it to California, they throw the whiskey in a giant vat and then they take casks and smash them with a sledgehammer and they create uh, an Oak bill essentially. So they have a mash bill for the whiskey and then an Oakville, and they're just throwing staves into the vat and seeing what happens. And it's, I mean, it, it got me excited. The minute I heard about this, I was like, this is exciting. You could, you know, pour me a 10 year old bourbon made. And I'd be like, okay, that's cool. But I want, I I like the innovation. I, I want to try new things. And if I don't like it, great, but Maybe it's going to be something really cool.
1: And here's a mini malt to grind. Really is. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Maker's Mark's been doing it for a while, and those same people complaining about it has been buying the Maker's Mark 46 yeah. or or they 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 do the, their experimental line as well, right? They've never complained about them doing it. If John Glazer Compass Box did it, which he did with the Spice Box there was no complaining there there was oh good for him for pushing the genre but yet you have a smaller craft brand out of out of US wanting to do more experimenting with that. And it's like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know about those guys. You know, like they're just, I don't know. They're kind of pushing it a little too far. It's like F off. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's it's a lot. But you know what?
0: I, I had just came up with an idea as you were kind of doing a mini grind there. Uh, what about a lost in translation trip to California where we each smash a barrel and then we each throw our own staves into a vat and we have a PWS lost in translation vatting created by barrels that we
1: smash with our bare hands. Um, that'd yeah, be, we, will, we will email Seth. <laughs> yeah. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're already okay. like, they're, they're, they're open to some pretty cool stuff. Like we're already, we already have some kind of some cool stuff. We're trying to find a specific cast that we want. And so they're, they're open, they're open to, to fun ideas and that's what we're looking for. So, yeah. Screw the traditionalists. We're coming at you with new, innovative, awesome, fun drinking
2: whiskey. I just had that uh, two-bar amaretto barrel finished bourbon. Oh yeah, and, you really like that. Oh damn, it was good. Uh very good. Highly recommended. What's it? Like they, so they just finish it in an amaretto
1: cast ca- yeah. ca- that held amaretto. Yeah. Or do they? is it just mixed with amaretto?
2: No, it's a like an amaretto not a flavored finish. Like, no, yeah. no, no. It's it comes in at 45% and it's not it's not like in your face amaretto, but it's definitely there. Mm. And I haven't had the Two Bar regular bourbon so I couldn't really compare the two, but I really enjoyed this one. So, and I think the reason it's I like, ask is I had a I had a guy at work. He's um <laughs> he's like he always
1: asks me questions. He's not really a whiskey drinker, but he drinks whiskey a lot of people drink whiskey but he drinks like right. fire thinks it's whiskey okay. but um, <laughs> they, they always kind of ask me questions because it's um, the whiskey guy at, at work or whatever he's like did you try that new that whiskey aged in a peanut butter barrel the peanut, <laughs> peanut butter barrel <laughs> yeah. and i was like no, nope, no, nope, different, different, different things. But <laughs> yeah, that's peanut butter flavored whiskey. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I thought it was a peanut butter cask. And I looked at him and I was just like, just think about what you just said. <laughs> They're you? not shoveling peanut butter into a cask and aging. When have you seen barrel aged peanut butter? <laughs> but I think we anyway. got a
2: new business model, barrel aged peanut, yeah. peanut butter. Barrel aged peanut butter. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, what are you guys thinking of this? This Taconic, it's, uh, have you gone to the palate yet? The nose, obviously, I mean, I, the wine is very prevalent, but not in a bad way. It's just a really, it's like a, a nice contribution to the whiskey. Thoughts on the, the actual palate?
1: It's, you can tell it's their, their Duchess bourbon for sure, that that high rye mash bill, But it's like heavy, I've got to get heavy wine those like red fruits at the kind of the tip of the tongue and then it goes out as the bourbon and then the finish after that i think is all wine to me again it kind of goes it kind of bounces back and forth it's a little weird it's a little interesting
2: yeah i get a lot of rye punch on the palate almost a disconnect between the nose and the palate a little bit not in a bad way just that they're they feel like two two different things to enjoy um i'm yeah. I'm curious to see what,
0: I haven't poured this for my wife yet as a, as a bourbon drinker and a wine lover, cause she didn't love the boulder. I'm curious to see what she would think of this uh, combination because I do think wine drinkers will really enjoy this, but I think maybe non wine drinkers might think that it's the wine is too much. And that's also fair. The other thing I'm wondering is this is basically over five years old and yeah, yeah. I'm curious. It kind of highlights the difference in maturation between this is this distillery is a farm, a big red barn in Hudson Valley, New York, versus the Boulder stuff in an arid climate in Colorado. I think you're getting a very different maturation between the two places. Um, it's because it it doesn't. I would say that the four year old Boulder probably tastes about the same maturation wise. Like you know what I'm saying? Does yeah. that make sense? <clears throat>
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense for sure. They are different climates.
0: But seeing as we just made our uh, our Scotch Club advent calendars, I, I did kind of want to grind a little malt and I know you two can relate, as can a lot of people in the whiskey community, but it's about filling sample bottles.
2: Ugh. Ugh, that's right, yeah. <laughs>
0: It is, it is something that became obviously so much more of a thing during COVID. And, you know, you had to fill the sample bottles. You got to make the labels. You got to get those little calluses on your thumbs from turning the caps on. And then you got to find ways to ship them out to people that aren't in the city for pickup. And we just did our advent calendar. And, You know, as you're doing your advent filling or filling, you're drinking whiskey as you're doing it, so you're paying less attention. And the amount of times I double-filled a sample bottle and ended up with whiskey all over the table, obviously my fault, but, I mean, I'm just, I'm over sample bottles. I'm over them.
2: Yeah. I uh, When we were doing that Irish tasting, I filled, like, drain the whole bottle into samples and then spilt one of the sample bottles so i had to go back and pour little portions out of every single out of 23 other sample bottles to get another sample it was so ridiculous (laughs) so that's why that sample was a little shy i guess
0: i've learned my lesson i don't put the labels on until after the whiskey because how many times I've put labels on and then I spill whiskey and then the label starts to fall <laughs> off, and so that's one thing I've learned over the years. And I don't know about you guys, I use measured pours. I don't use shot glasses because I just don't have the patience. But then sometimes yeah. your measured your measured pour the little ball sticks, and so the whiskey just keeps pouring. Yeah, and then you got like, another. <laughs> <user>. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I've had too much disaster with with those. Honestly, I I use this little like it's like a little beaker with a little pour thing on it kind of thing. And I'll just fill it up and I'll just, I'll like, I'll measure out the first one and then I line them all up and then I just go so that they're all like all the sample bottles at the same line kind of thing. But the, like the little beaker that I use has a really sharp kind of pour spot on the, like on it so that you can stick it in the mouth of the bottle and it just pours in nicely. I did buy a syringe that i am going to try it was a cheap syringe so i'm totally expecting this thing to blow up in my hands but we'll see we'll see the the worst i had once was because I, I won't usually put the labels which i should probably put the labels on the bottles first but i don't i'll just like gather all the bottles around the bottle and pour it, right. Pour it all, keep them separated on the table and then label them all at the very end after the caps are on and stuff. Cause I don't want my like spilt hands to like rub the labels and the ink and stuff. But I had one time where I had it all like in little groups and it was like right before dinner. And my wife came and was just like, move stuff over. No. And <laughs> I move stuff over so that we can eat dinner. And I was like, Screaming! I was like, oh my gosh. He just combined like four different bottles of samples together with no labels on it. How'd you start that out? Luckily they were all just like a hint of a different color. So I poured them all into a sample and I was literally like, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah, uh, I'm sure some people got the wrong where they got mislabeled whiskey, but I just won't say what tasting that was. And then nobody will ever know. So there you go. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is like this is what happens when when Cade's not here is we we have like the softest malt grinding of all time <laughs> yeah
2: we hate it's sample like, bottles
0: yeah they're so we
1: they're so it. they're so tough yeah,
0: uh
1: but, first world first world problems once again yeah
0: yeah it was just it was relevant because i I'm, well you just had your big tasting sean and and we just did our advent and It's, it's part of the community sharing samples. And I, I actually, during the advent, I brought out, I brought out some old sample bottles that have been in my collection and I just threw them out on the table and we just started pulling bottles of old stuff. We had an Ardbeg bog that night. Um, We had some cool, like a, like a black gold carnmore. So it was kind of fun to go back to them. And I I love sample bottles. I just, sometimes they annoy me. That's fair. Kate's going to be so
2: disappointed at us. Yeah. Well, when isn't he disappointed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We uh, got to give him an opportunity to grind malts about us now. <laughs> yeah, we are. We, we yeah. have opened the door. We're getting
1: into the blue run. So this is, yeah, this is blue run the 14 year, uh, 113 proof, which I believe is cast strength it seems like an odd proof to not be cast strength, especially for a 14 year bourbon. It definitely has to be, I didn't actually love to see who it was, but this blue one um, brand is interesting. It's honestly, it was started, it started by a group of guys with money, basically uh, from like Nike and Facebook. And they basically just said, Oh, look at this crazy booming uh bourbon market let's uh figure out a way to make put money in our own pockets i'm sure right so they they obviously do a bunch of the groundwork and they come up with cool like the branding is on point the bottles are beautiful the like the butterfly the like everything about it is as professional as it gets like it's nothing looks like it and and it looks like nothing else. So I do give them some props there, but there there was obviously a lot of money that went into the brand before. So you have to appreciate that because not everybody has that sort of capital. Um, and then they went and called on for uh, Jim Rutledge in his expertise, which he is like Jim is behind basically the Four Roses empire and everything that's been built under that brand and and all the amazing incredible bourbon that's that's been created there and it's like he he's a big big part of that so they're obviously they were able to hire the services of a very substantial <laughs> but that'd be like equivalent of going to like hey billy walker or jim mccune or someone like that really right to get that stamp and to get that approval on what they're releasing so they're right away. They've got the, they have the clout and the confidence of, of their drinkers. So it's, let's release premium bourbon, right? And that's kind of, we want to talk a little bit about that because it's, yeah, it's a 14 year old bourbon and they don't really stay where, I don't think they say where it's actually from, but, uh, it's a 200 and what, 250, $265 bottle of bourbon. And, in the U S that holds a little more weight than it does in Canada. I think Canada, a lot of poor single malt drinkers first and bourbon, we always joke around bourbon tastes like bourbon, right? So is we, we also talk a lot about how like is a bottle worth or any bottles worth these crazy prices when you can, when there's so much out there for good prices, but like $250 is not, terrible i don't think it's right with the wild turkey master's, uh, keep. masters keep yeah they're all in the 200 to 300 dollar range so it's yeah i don't know it's it's priced where the the enthusiasts are going to want it and they're going to buy it all but the everyday drinker is not going to buy it and, that, and that's fine right well
0: so, we talk so. about we talked about aging in alberta we talked about angels share i mean how much whiskey have they lost after 14 years? If this is Kentucky, I don't know if it's listed as Kentucky bourbon or not. It's Kentucky Um, bourbon, yeah. Yeah. So like how much whiskey was left in these, in these barrels after 14 years? I mean,
1: they're 8%. I think they're, yeah, I think they're seven or 8% angel share in Kentucky, aren't they? Or four or five to seven or something like that. But yeah, a a substantial amount, double what it is in Scotland at, at the least. Totally. So you're, you're paying partially just for the fact that,
0: there's not much of this stuff left after 14 years in a barrel. That's, that's part of it. So you're, you're paying for that. You're paying for Jim Rutledge who is, they're calling him their liquid advisor.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
0: Super cool name. Um, uh, but that's, it's all part of it. Every part and you as a consumer get to decide I've had the wild Turkey masters keep before and I've never owned a bottle, but man, if if I was to spend $250 on a bourbon or whatever, I would definitely, grab one of those because <laughs> for it's sure just, it's something that you can pour for someone you're not pulling out this blue run on a wednesday night by yourself you're you're pouring this when you're you're tuesday morning
1: you. on a zoom call
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are
0: pouring it on a tuesday morning zoom call the rest of you people
1: what do you mean you people
0: Um, so I, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a premium market. It's, and the thing I like about it is we're not waiting in lines to buy it. Like we are the Pappy stuff, the, uh, the stag stuff, the, this is pretty accessible. I mean, they've, they've produced a lot of it. And if you want a bottle, you can get one. That's, you know, at least the, the supply, it seems to be there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I was just kind of glancing at this whiskey jug article, which, which the the Nike or the the guys from Nike that are part of this are Nike marketing experts and design experts. So that that definitely uh, contributes to a lot of what what the like the branding behind the brand. But it just says so. So you, I like this line. So you'd be forgiven of thinking Blue Run Bourbon whiskey is nothing but another millennial bro brand. focusing more on aesthetics and substance, but you'd be terribly wrong because the substance is completely there. Right.
0: Anyone, anyone that I've seen post about this bourbon, anyone I've talked to has tried it all agrees. It's a really good bourbon. Yeah. Um, I, the, the area where you just have to make a decision is if you're spending $250 on a ball of whiskey, do you want it to be a 14 year old bourbon? Do you want it to be a 20, you know, I don't know what you can get for 20 years ish year almost i don't
1: know 18 like yeah there's some are up whiskeys there. are getting up there to 200 bucks now right
0: so exactly it's... so you have to decide and hopefully you know i guess we can talk about the whiskey a little bit
1: now but yeah, hopefully yeah, we should probably the nose is gorgeous on this thing i think i don't know it's like heavy bourbon musty heavy musty bourbon what do you think sean Sean's been, while we've been talking the whole time, Sean's been sitting there just like... I've been assessing. Making love with that class.
2: And I added, so here's the thing. At first, I wasn't super into this. I'm not going to lie. I didn't like the journey it took me on. And I talk about that a lot when I talk about whiskey and like how, journeys, yeah. how it flows through my mouth and the 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 yeah the journey it has on my palate. I wish you could
1: all see Sean's fingers right now. Yeah. he's really painting a picture <laughs> yeah. of yeah.
2: and he's, uh, gone, he's gone very like uh, spirit fingers like that, whatever that one movie. Was. I mean, we've tried several whiskeys today and now I'm interpretive dancing my reviews but I it believe wasn't... it's
0: called jazz jazz hands. Yeah. Yeah. Jazz hands.
2: There you go. Yeah, so there you know. yeah. Anyways, a long story short, I wasn't super into the journey, but I added two drops of water. And the journey became instead of it was very roller coastery and I wasn't into that. And now I added a couple drops of water and now it kind of builds <laughs> I was gonna say it builds to a climax in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> yeah, well, I already said it, so it's too late. With now. your fingers too. Right? Yeah, your fingers straight up at the time when you said climax. <laughs> so, but it, but it peaks. It has a nice peak at the back of the of the palate experience, and I like it much better now. Should the uh, headline for this op- episode be
0: "Find Out What Whiskey Makes Sean Climax in His Mouth"? <laughs> is that <laughs> is that our our tagline for this episode? <laughs> Uh I just added a couple drops of water, so I'm gonna give it a another second. Steve, what do you get out of this?
1: I get I just get a lot of and I'm not gonna get like heavy into the I don't know, tasting notes. But I just get a lot of a lot of the qualities I enjoy in a well-aged bourbon, right? I get that oak spice, but I don't get a heavy um tannic influence, which you can get out of out of older bourbons. So I think the oak can overpower the palate, which I don't think it does here. I think it's still kind of maintained those like those vanillas and caramels and some of those bases kind of thing. Um, I I like it both without water and with water. I've obviously I've I've drained half a bottle of this. So I've, I've had quite a bit (laughs) and I, we, we did it in a, or I popped this bottle for a few friends as well in a environment where we all were bringing like two to $500 bottles to the table. And it was the only bourbon, I knew it would be the only bourbon, which is why I brought it, but it yeah, it, turn, it turned some heads and that's not easy for a bourbon to do. No, do you,
0: um, I find there's a really, and I get this, I think sometimes with some of these older bourbons and it's like a like a real strong cherry note almost. Is that Yeah,
1: yeah, I like, get that like is- tart, like cherry. Um, I find that I find you get that. It, like I've got a barrel. Yeah, it's actually fourteen years, but the barrel bourbon that you can see right there—that's <laughs> a fourteen-year-old, and it's heavy tart cherry. Yeah, I, tart
0: cherry. and that must be something that comes with older um, bourbons because it, I've picked it out before in some older bourbons, and sometimes it's a little too much. But I find in this. It's it's really well integrated. It's not over the top. It's just, it's subtle. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the finish on this whiskey it is long. Like it's it... long.
1: But the mouthfeel, like the mouthfeel is thick too.
0: Yes. Tons of texture.
1: Tons of texture on this thing. That it, Sean, you look like you're going to like <laughs> jump through the screen. Did you see how intense his look was?
2: Right. <laughs> he was like just wrapping the whiskey around the glass uh, that cherry note i feel strongly about that cherry note but you're right in this it's good but you know when you get like that that uh medicine-y cherry note in a bourbon i I don't like i i can't drink the those bourbons like when it's I don't know if it's overly sweet cherries or like I don't really know what it is, but when a bourbon has that in it, it's just immediately that's not for me. But I agree. Yeah, yeah, this one is is good. No, it's got to be like a.
1: Yeah, it's got to be like a like a cherry syrup or a like or a like a a, not a maraschino, but the dark. Can't remember what the dark cherries are called. Like it's, yeah, it's it can't. You Definitely cannot be medicinal because that's that would turn me off a of whiskey instantly. I'm not a big cough syrup fan, I don't want you guys. One day we could trial a bunch
2: of new release cough syrups if you want, but we could and invite little John for some cough syrup and Red Bulls or, or whatever he's into. I can't remember what it is now, but yeah, yeah, you might come on. You never know knows we'll send the invite we'll see
0: if you are someone who is going to spend 250 dollars on a ball of bourbon and you want something that stands out from even a hundred dollar bourbon i think you would be you would be happy with this purchase i don't think you would buy this and be disappointed it's it i think that's that's my summary of it anyways
2: yeah and i like how it's different when you add water so you can have two different experiences yeah that's always a, an a appealing factor for me anyways like if you can enjoy it more than one way yeah absolutely
1: yeah no this and and i just picked up the blue run rye it was it wasn't expensive only 130 or whatever but i, I think blue run's doing some pretty cool things and we're uh, we, we know the evergreen guys fairly well um so it, me and travis and i enjoy kind of supporting back and forth so i think i think they they got a good product <laughs> in this one yeah they do
0: should we uh should we go on to our, I'm, I'm looking at the clock and i'm thinking kids at school and stuff like that should we should we do uh number four or do we do you want to do anything else in between steve
2: let's just run right into number four yep, i think we've right ground enough, enough malts throughout the episode this is yeah an, we can, uh, try, full grinding. We can play the we could roll the,
1: the malt grinding uh, yep. intro probably three or four times in this unless episode. we have any
2: more complaints about sean Kincaid, but we love him. Oh, we love him. Yeah. Oh, we love Sean. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm really quiet after that too. Yeah.
2: Like we're... <laughs> I'll add some sound effects in there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. do so, let's get into the last one. Sean, take her away.
2: All right. What we Ooh. have here is this brand new Isle of Rasse. Hebridean Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Yes, I'm very curious about this one. As am I.
1: First time trying... Ooh. So
2: Sorry, go ahead. This is... It's labeled as Lightly Peated. This I believe it's the first release. It has a, a, a branding of R-01 on it. Bottled at 46.4%. And they have um, this six cask Uh, System, which I think Travis is going to dig into in a little bit here. Natural colored, non-chill filtered. And so it's made uh, on the Hebridean islands, which are off the West coast of mainland Scotland. What else is on here? There was another note, but now I can't find it. The bottle is beautiful. It's supposed to represent waves, I think. Um, the glass is all textured it's the branding on this is awesome because i didn't even really know what it was and i was in the store and i was like well that looks cool as shit i might as well just get it (laughs) i was in one of those moods and uh yeah oh it has the island population that this is made on which is 161 people
0: but probably That's a quarter of them working at this distillery very soon.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. I have not uh, – no one's tried it yet, I don't think.
0: No, and the, the, the uh, this is very close to Ta- the Isle of Skye, I believe. I think it's like a 25-minute ferry ride
2: from Skye. I would get that on the nose immediately that it, it regionally – if you think about Talisker, a little bit of that—you can smell Talisker in it. Like, like a little bit of that <laughs> brininess in there. Sounds yeah. On
1: the record, this is actually Talisker. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Talisker is one of my favorite distilleries, so I would be—I would be not upset at all. <laughs> You don't talk a lot about Talisker considering it's one of your favorite distilleries. Uh, Oh, you know why? Because I have a bunch of unopened bottles and my plan is to do a Talisker night and just like open all the bottles at once. Uh, But I need a couple more. Um (laughs) there's not a lot available, but um I want to anyways, that's another that's another thing.
1: We don't get a ton of telescope
2: here, which telescope doesn't release a ton. Either. Yeah, that's true. But they are I love it. So uh I do need to uh post more about it, but I need to open the bottles that I have first.
0: Yes. The uh Rase um six cask recipe you were referring to from the bottle, Sean. Yes. Is so they call it their six cask story. So they use Two different rasse spirits, and we could be saying this completely wrong. I don't know if it's rasse, rasse, who knows. Uh, peated and unpeated spirit, and then what they do is they put each spirit in the same three casks. So they use a rye whiskey cask, a chinkapin oak cask, which I think you googled earlier, and a Bordeaux wine cask. So they put. Can you say that again?
2: Chinkapin, and that's a that is a North American oak. Um, from Vermont to Minnesota chin- and Florida to New Mexico. chin Chincapin? chin Chincapin? I like Chincapin better. I like, to
1: English, I like to English the hell out of things, so I'm just going to say Chincapin. I think that's probably the safer way to say it. Is I like you- how you've decided to go with a real foreign like pronunciation of it. Oh, it's, a, it's
0: a very, it's a very interesting word. It is
1: <laughs> super interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, so then they take all of that, and they, it says that their peat is is Highland peat, um, but it also says that it's local peat. But I guess islands are actually considered Highland whiskies, so it's it's a Highland peat, but it's it's it says it's from the island. Um, That's so anyways and it's matured right on the right on the island as well so yeah brand new distillery and brand new whiskey I've
1: been mean, really wow. enjoying the nose so far rye whiskey bordeaux and chinkaping yeah like those are weird that's a weird combination to be like we're gonna release our inaugural whiskey and we're gonna use these three obscure casks I think it's bold
0: so bold strategy cotton
2: let's see if it pays off for them
1: it is and so uh, they knew something that other people didn't know I don't know there's not a lot like but also combining peated and
0: non-peated spirit like making oh, for sure two different kinds of spirit and then combining it all into those three like it's is Dave it Broom Dave Broom called
1: it um, advanced whiskey making Uh, which it really, it is. Does it not smell like, don't go into the glass, but just like a little bit away from it. Does it not smell like a distillery floor? Like you're sitting in a distillery or it's got that, like that beer mash, like smell to it. Uh, Yeah. Like that sourness, the sour, like sourdough, like heavy sourdough bread kind of thing. That to me is that's young whiskey.
0: This is, this is young Scottish whiskey. Yeah. Compared to that Eau Claire, which matured in a very different climate, this is, you can still get some very new makey vibes
1: off it. Very of new makey. Yeah. yeah. And
0: th- but not in a bad way. It's, it's, no. it's very, um, it's good
2: new makey. And I get some, br- like,
1: like, when it's, I, like, it's in an appetizing one. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. When I was talking about it being uh, <laughs> talus what I meant was that, that briny, like, oceany. I just love how you're constantly, like, just like, trapezing that I'm now. just like the more <laughs> drinks I have the more spiritual I get <laughs> Maybe
1: ends, yeah.
2: anyways I'm going to turn my camera off so this gets less weird <laughs>
1: sorry I just can't help myself what
2: were you saying Sean I Steve, don't even know really I was just saying I like it I like the nose it has some like brininess to it it has that yeah. new makey sort of like breadiness to it and, bread. and still some some pear fruit in there <laughs> like a poached pear. um i like your
0: breadiness note that's again that's that yeah. barley that's that mushroom floor like that's and i enjoy that note when it's when it comes through properly and it's not astringent it's not offensive
1: which no, it is it tastes like a beer and we're still on the like nose kind of like it's it's really uh, weird to me like i'm getting so like i'm getting a uh, I don't know, a really bready beer note out of it. It's clear. I'm on the uh,
0: single malt batch website page here, and they actually, I love this. They have some very um, transparent information here. One of them being that they're peat level. So they they peat their barley to 48 to 52 parts per million. So anytime you think about a distillery and they say, our PPM is this, that's just what their barley is peated to. But that's not what it comes out of the stills at, and it's not what it ends up in the bottle at. So it says the residual PPM in the bottle is estimated to be 12 parts per million. Um, so it's just, it's good f- to know that because there's so many factors that come in after the barley is peated. And the other thing it talks about is uh three and five day fermentations, which I'm not going to nerd out on here, but I think obviously what they have a weekend fermentation, which is probably a longer or, one or, or maybe not maybe they maybe they ferment their peat and their non-peated whiskey at different
1: times probably the three days probably they're peated and the five days probably the unpeated
0: yeah that makes sense
1: right <laughs> just lots of stuff I love the information
0: they're putting out they clearly want to be a transparent distillery which is obviously yeah I can appreciate
2: that there. yeah have you guys what got you this on the pallet yet no I haven't <laughs> <laughs> it's good, man.
0: <laughs> what are you getting on the pallet, Jazz Hands?
2: I have a. I love the journey on this one. It's it's a good wave journey, but it's a little short.
0: Very short finish.
1: Yeah. But we talked about this. Not a lot of time in a barrel, though, right? Which mm-hmm. the barrel is a has a lot to do with establishing a finish.
0: But we talked about this recently, Steve, with some some other releases um, when we were drinking at the Bothy, the Drammore stuff, and and a couple of those had short short finishes, right?
1: I don't remember going getting home, so I don't, I'm not sure I remember a conversation, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a good night
0: at the at the Bothy. But the um, we were talking about the short finish and how a, a short finish doesn't have to necessarily be a bad thing or a good thing. And sometimes if you're just drinking a whiskey casually, you don't need it to linger on the back of your throat for 15 minutes. Like it's, <laughs> it's okay to have a short finish. And you. Yeah. I mean, now that you pointed out, Sean, I'm definitely noticing it, but I, I, that's okay, I
1: think.
2: Makes you want your next sip. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, if it's uh, if it's a pleasant finish that's short, it's like, oh, I need to go back for more of that, which is like, I think this one. But uh, yeah, if he, if it's an unpleasant finish that's short, then you're like, eh, I'm i good. But this one's, I'm enjoying it.
0: Well, gorgeous yeah. mouthfeel on mm-hmm.
1: it. Like it's not quite as velvety as um, not as thick as the Blue Run, but similar mouthfeel to the to the Eau Claire, I would say. Like it's yeah. he-
2: heavy heavy for a young malt. Yeah, at a lower ABV. Well, forty six point four is pretty good yeah yeah, that's good i like that
1: it is it does fall like completely off for Mm -hmm. sure i was like maybe i took like three sips back to back seeing if i could get the finish to prolong itself a bit but it just like it just like falls off an edge but that's that's okay it's super like the the last kind of note that i get before the finish is very refreshing it's very like I don't know. It's like a spring like flavor to me, honestly. It's yeah. Almost a little lemon meringue to it, I guess. Okay, and yeah. <clears throat> kind of those kind of characteristics.
0: The more I nose it and the more I drink it, all I get is chinkapin casks. Just- <laughs> those chinkapin casks. The chinkapin casks are just they're just overwhelming my, my senses right now. In an
2: extremely Both-bed. positive way it's I a assume. positive experience yeah. chinkapin
1: i can't wait to go to minnesota i'm going to look for a chinkapin tree
2: yeah just- take your picture with it that's your new profile picture Chinkapin.
0: <laughs> is it is it to me this um there's elements of this steve that remind me of bimber a little bit to be completely honest a younger whiskey um, but obviously, attention to detail, quality casks, and just you're sipping it, and you're like, oh man, this is going to be. In a few years, this is yeah. going to be something really special. I, that's what I'm getting from this.
1: For sure, you can take you can you can taste the potential in it. I guess you could say, but it's you like the quality is there. The yeah. quality is definitely there. Like it's, I would have no issue
2: spending hundred dollars on this. Yeah, bottle. I really enjoy this. Yeah. Despite the short finish, but I think, uh, number as long one, as the
1: next release
2: is not come out and it's $150, right? Unless it's a hundred percent chinkaping doesn't. barrels, unless it's a hundred percent chinkaping barrels, then we're talking, we got something special.
1: Travis will probably, yeah, he'll back the Brinks truck up for that release, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, this is this
0: is uh yeah this is in that same range right? This is about a hundred bucks, is that right, Sean?
2: Yeah, 90, 90 not even hundred bucks, ninety bucks, not yeah. even a hundred. Okay. No. Yeah, that's forty bucks and fifteen
0: dollars of that was that beautiful bottle. So you like? Yeah, oh, a bottle is
2: awesome. This is the like bottle infinity is. bottle category. Do you guys keep infinity bottles?
1: Um, I used to, I I used to do them more than I do now because I've recently not recently but within the last year i've dumped out a few infinity bottles it tastes like shit oh yeah that's a problem um and i was like this is this is kind of stupid (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i just like i i would make it i sampled one out i don't know two or three years ago and it's like oh yeah cool and then I did another one and I didn't sample it out. I kind of just kept it and then I would drink it and it wasn't that good. And then I did another one and I ended up throwing both of them out and I was like, yeah, this is whatever.
2: Yeah. I got that, two full uh, ones that so I've never even opened. So or like never tried or sampled out or anything. They're ready to that's go. A lot but... of work.
1: It's a lot of work. Like it, blending is I like one of them, I calculated percentages with like, I came up with a recipe. Oh yeah. I came up with the brands I wanted. I put a lot of work into it and then I threw it out and I didn't even tell anybody about it. So oh, that was disappointment. Like, yeah, it's like I'm not even going to bother anymore. I failed myself. So
2: I'm lucky that I have the bottle of this I'm going to have some more. Oh, good call.
0: Yeah. Uh, we have um after Scotch Club tastings. I used to we used to just oh, leave, yeah. we used to just leave the heels out, right? From like these tastings and one time I saw a guy Way too drunk. Poured a two hundred dollar bottle, like four finger pour. And later in the night, I found it just sitting on a table. So we we said, you know what? I'm, I not we. I say we. I said we're done with this. We started uh, auctioning off the heels, and then we bought a one point seven five liter bottle of Glenlivet, and we just Glenlivet twelve. And we would just throw it on the table and it's, this is your whiskey. But then eventually we just started pouring heels left over into the Glen Livet <laughs> 1.75. So we've now changed it and it's called blend Livet. And it's a, yeah. it, it's an infinity bottle. It's it's in the cabinet. We haven't touched it and it's probably maturing wonderfully in that little cabinet, but it's uh that's my only infinity bottle. And it changes, cool, it changes, it yeah. changes all the time. It's it's usually one in the morning when people are hitting that thing up. I mean, they don't care.
1: That's how yeah. Like fun. We used to, like I, we had a bottle at our tastings that we would pour the yeah whiskeys that people didn't drink because that's the other thing too is guys would get to like the last whiskey and they were drunk and they didn't even really touch it at all and or people that didn't show up. So if we if we set a place setting. And someone didn't show up, then that would go into the bottle as well. And then we would, it would always be like a, uh, like a pre dram at the next tasting, whatever was kind of left over of the mix mash of everything, and it usually got finished. I don't really remember what any of them tasted like, but I don't think any of them were ter- terrible. <laughs> I don't know.
0: You put enough good whiskey into a bottle. I mean, what's the worst case scenario here? Like yeah,
1: whiskey? I don't know. The one infinity bottle I had was pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was not. It was not good. I wouldn't. I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to pour it for anybody. Let's just say that.
2: Hmm. We uh, we could do an uh, infinity bottle episode, and you guys can try mine. And if they're terrible, that's okay. We could do an infinity bottle of everything we sample. I bet the
0: infinity bottle episode would be our least listened to episode. <laughs> probably, <yet>.
1: probably. <laughs> probably.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, as opposed to our typical fourteen downloads, that
1: one would have four probably four fourteen. 14 that's only when our moms and dads download
2: but four people that are so stoked on infinity bottles
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i know uh, with at least with uh four like hosts now it's not only just me downloading it multiple times to try and jack the numbers up <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right we hit 16 this weekend yeah um let me go
0: through uh each of these one by just to sort of like your own little quick little summary of the four whiskeys do it go ahead oh you do see i have to go first you're, you yeah. like you're,
2: most ready you're going
0: first here's here's well uh eau claire single malt uh very tasty Would like to see them, uh, would like to see it a little bit older, but I would buy a bottle for sure. The Taconic Cabernet, I think people are going to love it. I think especially wine drinkers are going to love it because I think that wine really shines through. Um, But the rye also shines through. The Blue Run, I will not buy a bottle, but only because I do not spend $250 on any whiskey ever, really. It's not something I do. But I would happily drink Steve's Blue
1: Run any day. It's here for you, buddy.
0: Yeah. And the Rassé, I think, is probably my surprise of this little four whiskey tasting. I really enjoyed this. And I think there's really big things to come uh, just based on this one pour from that distillery. That's my that's my synopsis. Yeah,
1: for sure. I think the Eau Claire, yeah, I, I echo you, with Eau Claire. I would. I'm curious to, and I know they do have some older stock that they're going to release as kind of limited releases, like their their Cast Five or Cast Ten. Sorry that <laughs> that came out in the spring. I think it was. Uh, I'd like to. I would like to see them maybe shift to like a forty-six percent. I know they're doing that with their limited releases, but I, like a it's they're they're dealing with a drinkability thing, right? It's they're trying to appeal to. They have a, like the, a lot of their support a support comes on the white spirit side. So they're trying to appeal their whiskey to to a wider demographic than just dancing hands, Sean, at the end of the mic there. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, yeah, Taconic Cabernet, I really like. I think that's going to do well. Um, I think that's going to be a good, good Christmas item. Uh, the Cabernet and the bourbon do really well together i believe they're not fighting each other i think that they're they're kind of complementing each other which is good which is what you're looking for A cast finish blue run everyone knows i've already posted my my support of it i i think it's a really good bourbon um and i will and did pay that twice So, uh, and for you, I'm not, I'm not alone. There's lots of people that are gladly doing it. So, um, and then the Rasse, Rasse, I was pleasantly, it was a pleasant surprise and it was, the the nose was weird for me. I've never had that much kind of beer show up in the nose. Like, Does does it almost smell weedy? No. like almost yeah, like a it's just beer. like mash it's just fermenting grain yeah. mashed grain that's what it is mashed grain and water. Uh, but the palate is like fresh and it's got some exciting characteristics to it so yeah i'm excited to see where they go
0: and that rasay is listed as being distilled um between 2017 and 2018 so it's three to four year old whiskey four years, yeah But matured in Scotland, and that's a difference maker too, right? Yeah. Yeah, For sure.
2: So um, if I'm looking at my ratings here, or whatever, conclusions, the Eau Claire, severely drinkable. I don't know if it's for me, but that's just my palate, and that's okay. But it is very drinkable, and I think I would concur. Like, I think another 3% would be interesting to see, but maybe they tried it at that and thought that 43 was a better entry point. But, um, this would be a great bottle to share with people. I think that where the focus is not the whiskey and the focus is the company and the conversation, because that bottle will be empty before you know it. It's one of those bottles that you could just keep pouring and, and drinking and then, and then you're like, "Oh shit, I'm dancing with my hands again." <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I'm having a hard time understanding you talk about your because you're not you're not using your hands. Oh yeah,
2: sorry. I can use my. <laughs> I can do more journeys here. The Taconic um, Cabernet is top notch. It's really cool. I like that the nose. To me, the nose and the palate are two different experiences. Both are good. really good
1: lending to that journey
2: yeah so um i really enjoy that and i uh hope to find a bottle of that under my christmas tree the blue run has your um, wife listened to the podcast unlikely unlikely well maybe now that i'm on it i'll encourage her to do so
1: Care enough about us
2: yeah um the blue run i didn't like i said i didn't really enjoy the journey at first but adding water really helped and then it turned it around for me it was good good drink there's a zero percent chance that i would spend that amount of money on it but that's because that's not where my palate or priorities generally lie with bourbon but it is a good product it's high high quality and um and i like that it changes with water so you get two different experiences based on what you like so i think it's uh i would Mm -hmm. recommend it to someone who wants to buy something that is at that um that level that premium bourbon spot the rassay, i'm super into it for a young whiskey my only feedback would be the short finish, but we've kind of talked about that in the time in the barrel sort of thing. But I really like the balance between peated and unpeated. I really like that they use, um, specifically (laughs) chinkapin oak. (laughs) Um, that's probably my highlight of my day. Um, and I'd like to see 100% Chincobin oak whiskey, you know? Yeah, that's it. That's, a, that's my conclusions.
0: <laughs> and I, I'm i not the host of this podcast, but that seems like a perfect way to wrap things up <laughs> on this uh, Chincobin oak episode of of mouth climaxes. Oh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> that was, you know... It, it happens, man. We're live. This is yeah. this is Saturday Night Live.
2: This One is, take policy. Yeah. You yeah. can't take you it back.
0: With it. You accept the consequences and it came from a good place. Yeah. There's nothing
2: mean about it. And No ed- zero editing power at all here. Yeah. <laughs> this was actually <laughs> a long episode, guys. But that's okay. I think it was a good conversation. Yeah. We're, Are we under an hour? No, we're at like an hour 20. Oh shit.